Welcome to Empowered for Life, a weekly audio podcast with Pastor Dr. Dwight A. Smith, teaching the Bible with clarity and relevance, tackling today's topics and issues, bringing healing and restoration into the lives of hurting people. Hello, greetings and welcome. I'm your host, Pastor Dr. Dwight A. Smith, here with podcast episode number... 14. Accessing Kingdom Teachings that Relate to Daily Living. Hello, greetings, and welcome back. I am your host, Pastor Dr. Dwight A. Smith, here to talk more about the claims that Jesus made about himself. We will begin today looking at John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse number 30. Here Jesus makes a claim that he and the Father are one. He says, I and the Father are one. Verse 31, again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. Their desire to stone him is because he claimed to be one with the Father. Let's look also at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. We read this and talked about this in talking about who is God and understanding the triune nature of God. Uh, In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So we find that, as we have talked about this before, that God is one. He's one with the Word, who is Jesus, and He's one with the Holy Spirit. We also came to understand that one could mean the single number one, or one could mean a unit or more than one. And we looked at it from the standpoint the Word of God said, For for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So we see here that two have become one. Then we look at the Tower of Babel where God said, let us go down and see what man is doing for they have become one. And because they have become one, nothing they put their minds to shall be impossible to them. So we see here also that more than one can be identified as one. So we find that Jesus identifies himself with the Father and he says that he and the Father are one. Look also at John's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. So here we see that Jesus is saying that as we believe in the message in which the disciples ministered or the fivefold ministry ministers, that we as a people, as a church, as a body of believers, we will all be one. Now notice in John 10, 31, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. Let's go down to verse 34. Then Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I have said that you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, what about the one the father has set apart as his very own and have sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blaspheming because I say I am God's son. So here again, he makes the claim that he is God's son. 
Let's look at John's gospel, chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am. Notice here he uses the same name in which God used to identify himself to Moses. He says, I am. He goes on to say the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. He says he is the resurrection, meaning that he has power over death and that whoever believes in him will live even though they were dead. And whoever lives and believes in him will never die. We also see in John's gospel, chapter six, verse 35, Jesus declares, I am. He says here, I am the bread of life. So we see also he claims that he is is the I am, but also that life is in him. And so that if we are, are looking to receive the life of God, the Zoe, then we must receive it by receiving Jesus the Christ. Let's look here at John's gospel, chapter 12, verse 48. And we'll see here that he, again, he claims to be the son of God. He says, there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my word. The very words I have spoken will condemn them. So he's saying whatever he has spoken, the words he spoke will condemn those who have not accepted his words, will condemn them in the la uh, at the last day. He says, for I did not speak on my own, but the father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. So here again, he says, what he has spoken is what the father has commanded him to say. And he spoke that and only that. He says, I know that his commandments lead to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the father have told me. So he says here that whoever receives what he has said will receive eternal life for whatever he has spoken was just what the father had told him to say. Let's look again where he claims that God is his father. In John's gospel, chapter 14, beginning with verse number one, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house had many mansions or many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am you know the way to the place I am going. Here we see that Jesus first begins to say those who trust in God should also trust in him, that there are many mansions, many rooms in his father's house. Here he's identifying himself again with the father. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So he says, I'm leaving here, but I'm going there with the father and I'm going to make preparation so that you too can come and be where I am so that you too can come and live in the presence of the Father, for that is where I am going. Look at John's gospel, chapter 14, verse six. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except 
through me. Here Jesus makes the claim that it is impossible for anyone else to get into the presence of God, to get a relationship with God, except they come through him. He says he's the way to the Father. Now there are those who will tell you that there are many roads that lead to God. There are many ways to get to the Father. But here we see Jesus says that there is only one way to the Father and that he is the way. He says that he is the only door. He is the only access to the Father, that he is what he speaks is the truth and that he is the one that gives life. So we must understand if we're going to have a relationship with God, the Father, if we're going to enter into the presence of the Father, we're going to have to accept the Son. We're going to have to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We're going to have to believe what he has done to make it possible for us to have a relationship with God. We're going to have to believe that what he did on Calvary's cross paid the ransom for our sin that we could be cleansed, washed in his blood, made righteous before God and accepted by God. And therefore, in order to get to God, we must go through Jesus for Jesus says he is the way and the only way to the Father. Let's look at the claim he makes in John Gospel chapter 14, verses 9 through 11. He's talking to Philip here. He's, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been with you so long a time? Anyone who has seen me have seen the Father. Here Jesus states that if you have seen him, you have seen the Father, stating that he is an exact representation of the Father. He is the expressed image of God. He says, how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say unto you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. He says, if you don't believe the words I'm speaking to you, look at what I'm doing before you and believe that the Father is in me and I am in the Father and understand that these things just cannot be done by any mere man, that the miracles in which I'm doing, I'm doing because the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And that if you see me, you see the Father. He goes on to say in John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He says, if you believe in me, if you receive me to as many as receive me to them, I gave the power to become sons of God. He says in receiving him, he gives you the ability to do what he have been doing. He says he will do even greater things than those because I am going to the father. He says, I'm going to give you the ability to do even greater things than I have done because I have to go back into the presence of the father. Verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. He says, and as you come and ask in the name of Jesus, 
that someone might be healed as you come and ask in the name of Jesus that deliverance will come if you come and ask in the name of Jesus that you will obtain healing in your body he says I will do whatever you ask in my name so that I can bring glory and honor to the father he said you may ask me for anything you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Notice what he says. He says, you can ask for anything in his name and whatever you ask in his name, he said, I will do it. Look at John's gospel, chapter 14, verse 19. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. He says the world won't be able to see him because again, he said he's going back to be with the father. He says, but you will see me. And the reason you will see me is because I live, you also will live. Stating that the moment you receive him, you receive eternal life. And because you receive eternal life, because he lived, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my father and that you are in me and I am in you. He says, there's going to come a time when you're going to come to the realization that he is in the father and that you are in him and that both of you are in the father and that because we are are in the Father, we have eternal life. So our relationship, our union, our oneness will come as a result of us receiving him and receiving what he has done. Look at verse number 21. He says, whoever has my commandments and keep them is the one who loves me. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He says, the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. He says, if you keep his commandments, if you love him, uh, the father will love you. And not only will the father love you, but he also will love you. And what he will do is he will show himself to you. He will show himself to you through the word of God. He will help you understand the character and the nature of himself being the character and the nature of God. He will help you understand how to live in a relationship with him and the father and how to keep these commandments. Look here at John's gospel, chapter 14, verse 23 and 24. Jesus replies, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. So here Jesus says one of the ways they can determine whether or not you love him and you love the father is by your obedience to the teachings that he has given. He says the teachings, the words that he has given, the teachings that he has left for us to obey, they're not just things he said himself, but these are the teachings that the Father has given him to give to us so that we could live a life that is pleasing to the Father and so that we can live a life of love loving the father and the father will love us he says and also because we obey the teachings he will come and make his home with us 
he says that these words that we hear, they were the words that the Father sent to us. In other words, God wanted us to know the truth because he knew that the truth we know will make us free and he wants us free to be able to love him, free to be able to live with him, free to be able to worship him. And so he sent us the word through Jesus that we could come to understand how to live free and separated from sin, how to live a victorious and overcoming life, how to be free of bondages and addictions and how we could bring pleasure to the Father by our love for him. Look at John's gospel, chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you peace as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Here we see Jesus saying he's going to give us peace. The Hebrew would be shalom. The word shalom meaning nothing broken and nothing lacking. He says, I don't give you peace as the world gives peace. He says that we don't have to be troubled. We don't have to let our hearts be troubled. We don't have to be afraid of the circumstances and the situations, the adversity and the things that are going on in this world. We don't have to allow our hearts to be troubled by the darkness of this world. He says, because he's going to give us peace. In Numbers chapter 6 verse 20, it says the Lord turns his face towards you and give you peace. He will allow us to have the peace of God that's a passive understanding so that we are not troubled with the situations and the circumstances of life. Let's look at John's gospel chapter 15 verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Jesus here identifies himself as a vine. Vine uh, produces many, many branches, and there are times when the, the branches of the vine produces much fruit. One of the things about a vine, even uh, with uh, the growing of grapes on a vine, there are times when the gardener has to come and work on the vine. There are times when he has to make sure that the vine is not laying on the ground because if it's laying on the ground, it won't produce fruit. And so what he has to do is make sure that the branches of the vine are growing up uh, so that they can be fruitful. And there are also times when he has to come and prune the vine. He says here in verse number two, he cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. He says, if the branch is unfruitful, then there's no need for it to remain in him. So he'll cut that branch off. But the branches that are fruitful, he says, he prunes. Now, what are the fruit? The Bible speaks of the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit being love, joy, peace, temperance, patience, and long suffering. He says, these are fruit that every believer should have and that we should be known by our fruit. And so it becomes imperative and important for us to be fruitful. He says the way that we become fruitful, the way that we produce much fruit, he says the Father will then prune us, but we must remain in him. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit of itself. It must remain in the vine. He say that the moment a branch 
branch is taken away from the vine, the moment you separate yourself from him, you're no longer able to bear fruit. There are some plants that you can take away from the the plant itself and you can stick it in water and it will begin to root again so that it can be fruitful, blossoming and grow. But here Jesus makes the statement that once you are separated from him, it becomes impossible for you to be fruitful. It becomes impossible for you to bear fruit except you remain in him. And so we understand that when we pull ourselves away from him, we tend to fall back into the old lifestyle. We fall back into the old pattern of life because we stray away from him. And in that straying away from him, we find that the habits tend to return back into our life. We fall back into addictions and into bondages and wonder how we end up back in that lifestyle and why we cannot stay free. But here Jesus tells us that in order for us to remain free, in order for us to remain fruitful, we have to remain in the vine. We have to stay in our relationship with him. We have to stay in the word. We have to study to show ourselves approved unto God. We have to find a church, a place where the word of God, the uh, truth of God's word is being taught. For he says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, even the more when you see darkness and sin and uh, that day approaching. He says that we should fellowship with one another because it is in that fellowship with one another that iron sharpens iron. It's in that fellowship with one another that we strengthen each other. He says here, Remain in him, and as we remain in him, we will continue to be fruitful. Again, look at verse number six. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. So he says, if you're not in him, you're just like a branch that have been thrown away. You begin to wither up, uh, and such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Uh, being thrown into the fire and burned could be the equivalent of you falling back under the power of darkness, under the power of Satan, under the power of addictions, under the power of bondages. He says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciple. Now we talked about a disciple. A disciple is a learner. It's a student. So he says, as a student and we, as we remain in him, as we continue to study the word, as we continue to learn from the word of God, we remain in him and we are fruitful. And as we are fruitful, we have the ability to approach the throne of the father. We have the ability to talk to the father and that we can ask the father for whatever we want in Jesus's name and that the father is willing to give it to us. Now, let me clarify something here. This does not mean that you're going against the word of God. It does not mean that you're going against the will of God and your request from God. You cannot go to God and ask him for someone else's wife and then think that, oh, okay, he's going to give you that. Or you can't covet what belongs to your neighbor and think that God is going to give you what belongs to your neighbor. But you can go to God based on the word of God, based on your relationship with God, based on the 
fact that you are a student of the word, based on the fact that you are fruitful and you're obedient to the word, based on your love for the Father and your love for the word, and you can ask what you will from the Father, and he says that he will give it to you. We're going to conclude with John's Gospel, chapter number 15, verse number 9. As the Father have loved me, so I have loved you. He says, I love you with the same kind of love that the Father has loved me with. God's love is agape love. It's unconditional love. And you must understand that unconditional love means that he puts no conditions on you to love you. So God will love you if you have accepted him through accepting Jesus Christ. Or he will love you if you choose to continue to live in sin. But your choice to continue to live in sin will cause you to be separated from him. It will cause you to live in condemnation. It will cause you to live in a position where you can't receive fully the love that he has for you. But he says here, as the father have loved me, so have I loved you. He says, now remain in my love. He says, I'm sending you my love. I want you to remain in this love. Keep my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. He says, the way that you show that you love me is by keeping my commandments. And the way that you keep my commandments will cause you to remain in my love. Just as the just as I have kept my father's commandments and remained in his love. He says in verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you. He says, what I want you to do is have my joy, joy being confidence, have the confidence in complete in you, not being partially or uncertain, not feeling okay today and maybe not tomorrow, not being up and down in understanding how much the Father loved you, not, not understanding that you are the beloved of God. But he says here, he's told us these things so that uh, his joy may be complete in us, so that we can walk complete, whole in him, so that we will have the life of God, the zoe of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, so that we too can live a victorious, overcoming life here in the earth. Thank you for tuning in to Empower for Life. If you are ready to shake off religion and tradition, to be, to do, and to have everything God purposed for you, then continue to tune in as we answer your questions and reveal to you the mysteries and secrets of the kingdom of God. Feel free to email us your questions and prayer requests at TV at aol.com. That's TV at aol.com. Or visit us online at www.empoweredforlife.tv. Again, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to sharing the Word of God with you.